All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris and Amy on KMOX, Mark's Coors, and Ranji. Good to have you with us on this Thursday morning on December 21st. We go to the Quiver River Electric guest line for the first time this morning, and it is our good friend, Major Garrett, Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News. He is the host of two terrific podcasts, The Takeout and Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen, also the author of The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. I have a signed copy, not to brag. Major Garrett is with us. What's going on, Major? Good morning. How are you? How is everybody? We are doing okay. What's uh, what's going on in Washington after the news uh, we got a couple of days ago that uh, the state of Colorado, their Supreme mm-hmm. Court, has decided President Trump it cannot mm-hmm. be on their ballot we're pretty sure, we at least we feel confident that will be overturned by the Supreme Court of the U.S. What do you think is going to happen next? So the former president has made clear he intends to appeal this decision, appeal it to the Supreme Court. We are awaiting that appeal, and then we are awaiting the judgment of the Supreme Court on the central question. And... The Colorado Supreme Court was asked a question. Basically, the Secretary of State was asked a question. Several voters in Colorado, three of them Republicans, three of them independents, asked the Secretary of State a question. You can't put Donald Trump on the Colorado primary ballot because we believe he's disqualified under the 14th Amendment because he acted in a way that is insurrectionist. The Secretary of State was basically being sued for the intention of putting Trump on the ballot for the Colorado primary. So courts in Colorado considered this. And it went to the Supreme Court. It went to the court system in Colorado and the Supreme Court. And I've read the opinion. It's 213 pages. I've read all the dissents. I've read the majority opinion. This is not a slapdash or simplified or mini judgment. It's a very extensive. It goes through all the constitutional history, the plain language of the Constitution, the history around the 14th Amendment, what an insurrection is or isn't. Is it self-executing? Is the presidency an officer in the United States government? All of the terrain. And it reached a judgment. Yes, Trump's disqualified. Supreme Court can take it up and find procedural grounds on which to overturn it. Say, no, we don't think that uh, Because the 14th Amendment doesn't mention specifically president or vice president, this even counts, so we're overturning you. And not get into the question of whether Trump's behavior was insurrectionist or not. Supreme Court has many options. But quite separate from the legal matter, this raises a political question. What is the moral weight and the political weight of January 6th for the Republican Party as it looks toward the general election? Because if you don't think What happened on January 6th and everything that we've learned subsequently about what Trump and those in the White House who were aiding and abetting him did leading up to January 6th won't be an issue. 
in the general election campaign, you haven't been paying attention. And so Republicans, as all this goes on, will consider the larger moral and political implications of this. And I know the shorthand political analysis, because it's what's been true all year, anything that is a legal setback for Trump is a political gain in the short term. This will probably be so as well, is probably true. But that doesn't mean for the long haul it will remain true. Um, yeah, Major, I did not read all of it, uh, but I did read the dissents. I just started with the dissents. And what was interesting, before I read the dissents, I assumed the biggest questions would be, is Trump, is the presidency an officer of the United States? And it was Trump engaged in an insurrection because he hadn't been convicted of it? And are we calling it an right. insurrection? But the dissents didn't challenge those things. That's not what the dissent was. Well, one of the dissents did. Uh, Justice Samuel did say, we can't do this because Trump hasn't had his due process rights respected and adjudicated on the question of insurrection. We can't do this. One of the dissents did do that. The other dissents basically said, this is an overreach of Colorado law. Uh, this is putting judges in the way of voters. And this is something that we shouldn't do. Or if we do this, we have to have better grounds than we are, than the majority is currently citing on this. Um, and so the dissents did say this is an overreach and this is not terrain that we should be getting involved in. Other courts in other states have looked at this and said, we're not going to handle this on a primary ballot because primaries are essentially run by political parties. If there's a general election question, we'll take it up later. The Colorado Supreme Court said, no, we're taking it up now. And we are jumping squarely into this question of what does the 14th Amendment, Section 3, actually say? What was the historical intent behind it? And did our understanding of those words and that history mean anything in the current context and the supreme court by a majority opinion said yes it's meaningful and what it means is trump has to be disqualified i don't believe that's going to be the ultimate result i believe the ultimate result is trump will be on the colorado primary ballot and in all likelihood on the general election ballot but and this began to happen yesterday california said you know what we've read the opinion we have we're going to ask that question in california other states will ask that question and so what the Supreme Court is going to have to decide is how declarative will its opinion on this question be? Will it be narrow and procedural or will it try to say, hey, nobody else bring this question to us because the answer is always going to be the same. And for all of this uncertainty and for all of this, it's not chaos yet, but it could get chaotic and confusing. We have to ask, what is the source of it? We have to ask the question, what's the source of it? Have we ever had this before? No. Why haven't we ever had this before? That gets back to the answer to the source. Why? We've been spending five minutes talking about the what. Let's just spend 30 seconds talking about the why. Why? Why are we here? Why is this happening? Why are we enmeshed in all these courts about all these questions? Because the President of the United States decided not to allow for the peaceful transfer of power, period. 
the the, uh, the counter argument to that would be, well, it's this is all political, and they're just out to get him because they don't think they can beat him, or they hate him, or whatever else. So, you can say that about, let's say, the Manhattan DA's case. You can say that about Jack Smith's case in D.C. on. Trump's conduct leading to the delay of an official proceeding and et cetera. You might even say it about the documents case, although the documents case is pretty clear. He had them. He was given an opportunity to return them, and he disingenuously responded back to the Justice Department, given ample time. But you could say that there, too. Again, this Colorado case brought by voters, brought by voters, not by the Democratic Secretary of State, not by Democrats, but brought by voters, as is their right to ask a question. They're asking a question based on constitutional history in our country. They have a right to ask that question. And the Supreme Court and the District Court in Colorado rendered a judgment. All of those things I just said are consistent with what is possible, what is allowable, and what must procedurally be considered if somebody asks a question. And why were those voters in Colorado regarded as having the standing to ask that question? Because on January 6, 2020, there was a concerted effort by people who invaded the Capitol in a riotous, violent way to stop what? The certification of electoral votes. What did those certifications represent? The gathered certified and assembled results of millions of people's votes, meaning that was a concerted effort to disenfranchise those people of their legally cast and counted vote. That's what gave those Colorado voters standing. That's why they had the ability to ask that question and have a court say, you know what? You have standing to ask that question. No Democrat was involved and bringing a crowd to the Capitol on January 6th and invading it and trying to stop the certification of electoral votes. Yes, you can say other cases might have a political component to them, but this one you can't because those voters only have standing for one reason. The only reason they have standing to ask this question is because what happened on January 6th. And you can't blame Joe Biden for January 6th. Yeah, and... What is interesting is if the United States Supreme Court decides to let this decision stand, that Trump is ineligible. And even the Colorado Supreme Court said, you know, this is uncharted territory, right? There there were jumps jumps that had to be made. Like like you said, even the dissents were kind of focused on due process and such. But what's, what's interesting is that this would be an explosive decision because... People undoubtedly would say this is anti-democratic, so, so, and Mm -hmm. so on. But what's ironic is the 14th Amendment is intentionally and explicitly anti-democratic because it didn't trust voters to not vote in more insurrectionists, which I don't know if I have an other point than that, other than it just being kind of interesting. That's what the 14th Amendment is for, is to say these people are ineligible even if you want them in. Which is a helpful reminder It's a historic reminder. It's a semantic reminder. It's one that I'm frequently met with when conservative Republicans think I I too casually use the word democracy. 
they accurately and sometimes with a bit of vigor in their voice remind me, as if I don't know, which I do, that we live in a constitutional republic, not a democracy. And a constitutional republic has a House of Representatives and a Senate, which is a gathering point of opinions, but not a purely democratic institution. Okay, meaning the popular will filters through representatives in the House and then senators. Okay, popular will doesn't rule everything in all instances. It's not a pure democracy. And the first word of constitutional republic is constitutional. So, yes, after the Civil War, Congress passed and a requisite number of states ratified an amendment that said, you know what, if you took up arms against the Union and you run for office and you win in the embittered South, guess what? You don't get to get in because we have been through this. We have mopped up the blood on countless battlefields, and we're not going to do that again. So, yes, it's a constitutional refutation. It's a constitutional cancellation. No, guess what? If you take up arms or do things to harm the furtherance of this federal government, even if you get elected, nope, you can't get in. Unless, this is one of the things about the clause that matters, unless two-thirds of Congress agree to let you in. Meaning, there's some possibility. There's a possibility. Congress could, if in two-thirds of it, agree to let you in. But absent that, you don't get in. Major, who's on the takeout this week? So, kind of a heavy conversation we just had. I know, I know. And I went on and on and on, and I apologize for that. <laughs> no. Kind of heavy. It's what we have you here so, for, the heavy stuff. So, so, to offer everyone what I regard quite genuinely as a nice holiday gift, we're going to have fun this weekend on the takeout. Gary Goldman, if you don't know him. Oh, yeah. He's comedian. a phenomenal comedian. Phenomenal comedian. He's got a new book and a new HBO special. The HBO special is available as of today. So if you have HBO Max, get it and watch it. Gary Goldman is a super funny guy, a super genuine guy. And we met for the first time in New York earlier this week. We had done a show with him back at the beginning of COVID, March of 2021. We'd always said we're going to try to do this again and meet in person. We did. It's a great, light, funny, enjoyable show. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas to you. Have a great holiday, yes, Major. Merry we Christmas, will talk Major. to you next week. Thank you. We will talk next week because I'm working next week. Yeah, me too. I come to work during the, <laughs> oh, the holidays. Serious. You've been gone for three years. Okay. But I'll be here next week, and that's all that matters. See you, Major. Yeah. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.